0: Welcome to the Room of Lives. I'm your host Neil. In this second part of my conversation with neuroscience student May, we discuss the idea of holding lightly in relationships and even in science. We then talk about jealousy and the utility of anger.
1: There's this concept um, that's uh, kind of related called holding lightly. Have you heard this? No. Holding lightly is um, kind of what you've employed in yourself with this relationship as you let it go. where um, It's kind of like being outcome agnostic. Do you know this? Yeah. I mean, I
0: can guess what it is. You can yeah, guess, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: So, so uh, I think maybe outcome agnostic is actually a really good definition for holding lightly or a preface for. And so... Uh, being outcome agnostic is not so much that you just don't care, that, that you're 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 not you're not nihilistic. You don't think that yeah. nothing matters, but it's like I go into this relationship and I know that on the other end I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be good, and uh, and I know that I want to do good for Beautiful. others.
0: May uh, I love listening to you? <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: please. Thank you. Okay, yeah, you make no. it easy to yeah, yeah. to share. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so. This is something that I practice a lot and I think it helps me with not getting frustrated when people say shit, like when I get misgendered or when something happens, I hold lightly because the outcome doesn't matter, you know, in the end, and it's not that, not that I don't care, not that I don't have a preference, but it's like when I go into a relationship, I know that I'm going to do my best, yeah, and I hope that someone else is going to do their best, and whether the relationship succeeds or fails is not a judgment on me or Mm -hmm. on them or on the world or on life, it's just what happened, yeah, you know? And so when you go in with no expectation that it needs to succeed, because yeah. a lot of people will hold very tightly. Yeah. You know, you get in a relationship and you're like, we need, to, we need to hold this together. We need to make this work or we failed. Yeah. You know, or we were bad. Yeah. Um, and people can't handle that failure. They feel so rejected and, yeah. and unimportant and unvaluable. Yeah. Uh, and it's very hard on their egos and on their yeah. hearts. They feel like it. They feel like having failed this relationship has some large... Yeah unshakable consequence for the person that they are they're like i am a bad person because i could not and especially if you really liked the person that you worked
0: with or even like they are a bad person
1: right like someone has to be bad yeah because it's like if let's say you know i really really liked this girl that i was with and she leaves me if i was holding very tightly like that is so shaking for the core of who i am but if i was holding lightly i can say i wasn't right for her and that's okay yeah yeah, you know that was that was not the right place for her and I'm glad that she's in a better place. I yeah. hope she's in a better place. And, and you know, it's going to hurt me to lose this relationship. I'm going to be sad about it. I'll have emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that I'll be okay. I'll move on. And then it'll ultimately be better for me. Because if I wasn't right for her, then it doesn't matter how much I liked her. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't have been right for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it wouldn't have been a good
0: relationship for her. Yeah. And, and, you know... Uh, yeah. I yeah. feel like what you're talking about here is like seeing through into a deeper value yes
1: and absolutely.
0: Uh, uh, multiple times I have I have uh, been a part of this and I see I see this happening many times in relationships around me yeah where because you've made your ultimate value this thing of having to hold on to the relationship yes the ways in which you make yourself act or make the other person act is corrupting you spiritually deeper within. I agree wholeheartedly
1: that is so true you're and more likely to try value, to force yeah. someone
0: into a box that doesn't fit them
1: because yeah. you're not willing to let go yeah you're not holding lightly
0: yeah in, in a way um <laughs> so this is kind of funny this happened at the beginning of my what i would call my spiritual career <laughs> i like that <laughs> at the beginning of my spiritual career I what had are you, a, what's your
1: career what are you selling what are you what are you <laughs> selling what are you creating i'm trying to create love i like that <laughs> that's a good good yeah. output yeah you know and i i'll, I'll Give it away for free. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: holding, holding lightly, love. Yeah. You know? radiating upwards, <laughs> love. <laughs> so um, continue. In the beginning of my spiritual career, I had a, I had a girlfriend who at first was a short distance girlfriend. We were in the same city. Yeah. It became a long distance relationship, <laughs> and then uh, I was like, hey, uh, let's let's do open relationship. Yeah. Okay. And uh, she was like, okay, sure, let's do it. So we were doing open relationship, and then she started hanging out with this guy quite a bit and uh, and I was like yeah that's the terms of our contract I guess it's fine but then she was doing it in some ways where she wouldn't tell me certain things or like kind of like weird like under the table kind of stuff it started creating disconnects between you yeah and that was not part of our contract the part of our contract was like let's I was like the most important thing is that we stay in complete communication and yeah, honesty. Honest, yeah. And that wasn't happening. And I started feeling jealous. Yeah. And I felt very bad about feeling jealous because I was like, what kind of spiritual path are you on, Neil? Where you shouldn't be feeling you're this jealous. You're letting yourself be corrupted, yeah? Yeah, you're like, you're feeling this jealous. This is the sure. base feeling. So what I did was I tried to suspend and deny my jealousy, uh, and um, this no, went on for a long time, and it did not lead me to a good place in this relationship. It eventually sank, no. and by the time it's 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 it sank, I realized that I had done a lot of. It had I had caused myself a lot of violence. You damaged
1: yourself, yeah. And I, I felt I like
0: wanna... the reason that I denied all of that because mm-hmm. I really wanted to hold on to the relationship. you were holding tightly, yeah. yeah. No, so it was weird because it was a mindfuck. I thought I was doing it for my spiritual progress, but I really wasn't. Yeah. Be- because if I was, now I realize that there are two parties in this. I need to love myself too, and yes, I, I was completely denying my needs because I, I thought yeah. that was the more spiritual thing to do. But I no. think I was, I was hog I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to brainwash myself into thinking that spiritual, but right. really under, yeah. under you were yeah. gaslighting yourself. Yeah. And yes, I think
1: I think with these negative emotions that we identify as bad, yeah. like jealousy or anger, uh, people want to fight them away. They don't yeah. like them. They feel like it makes you a bad person to have that emotion. Yeah. You know? And it, it makes you a bad person not sorry, that's too strong. It's a it's no good to be controlled by those emotions. Yeah. But it is great to have them. Yeah. You know, when you were feeling jealous, you weren't feeling jealous because you weren't okay with her enjoying her life and loving others. You were feeling jealous because your emotional needs were no longer being met properly. Yeah, and yeah. you didn't feel connected to your relationship. Yeah, it, actually, I, it wasn't I about totally this other understand.
0: guy. Right now, even looking back from this point of view where I'm so over that relationship, yeah. I would say I respect that feeling of jealousy that was coming Good. up. It was trying to Good. point me towards something it was you that I normally right. was not okay with. Yeah, it felt bad for you. Yeah. And, and sometimes I think our jealousies can get...
1: Uh, they can mutate and so at some point it's like your jealousy is is just bad it's not it's not giving you anything it's not telling you something's wrong Mm -hmm. maybe with your relationship but it's just like you just have kind of as you say like your spiritual you've you've done violence to yourself and like your your spirit is clouded with something uh, that is like I I don't this phrasing is not great but it's like you've let Satan into your heart you (laughs) know like like you you've let something take a home in you that doesn't serve you anymore and it's it's you you're you're now wielding that violence onto others. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that that again everything's a double-sided coin, everything's double-edged. So, you know, jealousy and anger, like anger makes you fight for yourself. It it makes you hold firm boundaries. And Ah, oh, Mika said something so good earlier. Do you remember what it was? About anger. Ah. Uh. What, was it? what did She's, she call it? She say um, she she uh, she needed to be angrier. Yes. Uh, so, but there was a term she used where she was like, I needed to protect myself. It was like she did this this like house motion around herself, as if uh, like her anger was was what held up her boundaries. Sometimes, like mm-hmm. she was letting people walk over her. And her fam- her therapist said to her once, um, you should you should be angry about that. That wasn't mm-hmm. okay what that person did, yeah. and and what she learned out of that. Uh, was that anger tells you when your boundaries are being crossed and it tells you when uh, you need to fight for yourself and advocate for yourself it can totally swing in the other direction where like Mika was someone who wasn't accessing her anger um, in a way way that it was hurting her to not access it but then other people, they let it guide them all the time it's like they're totally run by their anger and this is kind of maybe closer to how you felt when you were like someone would do something and you would get angry and you would lash out and you were not using it as just an emotional impetus to, to make an action, but it was it was running that entire action yeah. and it wasn't good at it, it yeah. was good at telling you you needed to do something, but yeah. it was actually just causing more damage because it, it was violent in how it was releasing yeah, yeah. itself.
0: You know. A lot of Buddhist theory is actually about this this it, release? It, no, about this kind of this uh, dilemma that we're talking the about, the balance wants, between, yeah. yeah because it says that the middle path is one where you do not succumb to your gut instincts. I'm going to lash out, right. but also you don't go in the other direction where you suppress the feelings that right. are coming up. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, it's true. So you sit and you really pay attention to what's coming up, yeah. but you don't do the snap. No, you know you don't do the immediate reaction.
1: Yeah, and you have to balance it, and it's a, it's like a, a never-ending balancing yeah. game where like you're always trying. Yeah. So sometimes you won't listen, and sometimes you will lash out, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. It's okay. You can hold lightly to yourself too. That like, yeah. when you fail these moments—not when you fail, but like when you don't behave what you feel is like your capacity yeah. in that moment—you say okay,
0: yeah. and yeah. you learn from it. and you you know, let that's it go. the other part of your uh, thing that you wrote to me in my email that I resonated with it a lot because I feel like I have a hard time doing that. Like I feel like Letting damn you you couldn't do that thing that you could have done better and. Uh, a lot of the times for me, I feel like there is very little room within myself for me to fail in along the dimensions in which I really want to get better. It's like there's a lot of my troubles can be summed up to why am I not spiritually perfect yet? <laughs> you gotta let it if go. You I understand you are, the principle. Actually, you, <laughs> you will never be better or worse than you are. But uh, this holding likely thing, where yep. you're like holding really tightly to the outcome, I've noticed repercussions of this within science as well. Oh, for sure. I was, I was working well, people with... People want uh, their results so bad. They, they want to fucking twist the arm of nature and torture it until it confesses the things that will get their things published and make them famous. And I think even if you get to those results it's going to spiritually corrupt you yeah and i think you need some spiritual clarity in order for nature to speak to you in its truest i agree i I think the hardest part and the saddest
1: part for me is like it's environmental like it's not on people it is in some ways people propagate these systems but like we're we're living in an environment that is not conducive to good work it's not conducive to good spirit you know and and so when these people they want to fudge their results they want to change things is because they think that if they they feel that if they do that and they're actually right that if they do that they're more likely to get the things that bring them other happiness you know other other progress they want they want a strong career they want their ideas to be listened to they want to be respected they want they want power they want friends they they want uh, to feel important you know and all of those things are reasonable desires actually uh, but they get corrupted so easily. And the ecosystem that science lives in right now doesn't make you want to do good work. It yeah. makes you... It it's makes not just it easier. It's rewarded. like capitalism. It's, there's like yeah. a whole... Well, that's the ecosystem. right? Oh, the like ecosystem. Like the, yeah, the I heard ecosystem. Ego no, no, yeah, e- no. The ecosystem. The ecosystem yeah. of capital. It's like academia shouldn't be a business. Knowledge yeah. should not be for sale. Yeah. And sometimes... And like, so, you know, if you're working in a university or you're working in industry... All of your research has to be lucrative in some way. You have yeah. to be able to show why it'll be profitable in some yeah. regard, or you need to be able to beg from the government yeah. for some social service. And 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 our capitalist system doesn't really like to give money to those social services, anyways. So you're 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 clawing against people who should be your compatriots, you know. And so many of those things offer social good, but they're not monetary good. They're not like uh, it's like planned obsolescence, right? Where like you could Sear and Robux like put themselves out of business because they made really freaking good dryers. And they made them so good that people didn't have to buy more dryers. And so they ran out of business. Yeah. And and actually, I think that's good. I think you should get rewarded. Your business mm-hmm. is done. You've succeeded yeah. You should get something for that, right? Like yeah. create an incentive to work yourself out of a job. To to fix the problem so good that it stays fixed for yeah. a long time. And yeah. you, you can spend you can now transition your energy to something else. And then if you keep doing this, it's like moving, you know, it's like changing your mind, where if you keep doing these little tasks over and over again, that have long term benefit, and you keep doing them, you keep doing them, you keep finding new ones, then eventually you're in a way better place than you were before. Like you
0: look back and it's amazing how far you've come. But you have to keep just taking those small steps. Yeah, because so the way that you're talking about it, do you feel like the remedy to this situation is a systemic one that tries to change the ecosystem because so one part of my mind is like man the ecosystem is this big machine that I'm in Yeah. and I have very limited ability to change the ecosystem in which I do science there's capitalism involved there's like yeah. the whole world right now is going in the direction of you know you mentioned something about why you don't want to be on a podcast it's like it's like this you know, a lot of podcasts is like we gotta make like a really flashy, marketable product out of this. It's such yeah. a draining rat race. It's speeding yeah. up and everywhere. It feels very
1: not humble. Again, it's yeah. like corrupting to spirit. It yeah. feels like in order to succeed at these things, I have to do things that go against the
0: kind of world that I want to live in. Yeah, they're they're actively in the wrong direction. Yeah. You know? So so one way could be like, hey man, this. Uh, so what I feel is like the machine is too big, and what the way that I have been thinking lately is. I'm not going to worry so much about the ecosystem I'm going to take I'm going to draw my sphere of responsibility back into myself and my theory now is that the environment and the individual are constantly creating yes, each other absolutely and so I'm going to try and create as best as I can the environment around myself that and I want. know that I'm pushing against a and yeah. an, an, an oncoming tsunami but I'm going to try and do it as best as I can And And let's just see what happens
1: and then once you have this like secure sense of self you can start feeding it outwards you can start like you 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 it's like planting a garden you know where once it's growing at some point it starts making more than you can use yeah and then you start giving it out but at first you actually need things to come in you need you need to reduce your focus and focus until the the fertile the soil is fertile yeah and um,
0: and I feel like people see that, you know. They like feel it. People you come at some point and they're like, stuff. "Hey, man, you're doing something here that flies in the face of this pressure from the ecosystem, and I like it."
1: It moves their minds. Yeah, they see it, and and, and, and it yeah. and, it uh. Have you ever read Snow Crash? No. Snow Crash is this old old book. It's where the term metaverse was coined. Oh, really? If that tells you anything. Okay. But it's this guy. Uh, he writes. He writes this. Um, dystopian satire on America it's so funny it's really over the top it's really like whatever but um the one of the like core is it like
0: infinite jest or uh, I haven't read or infinite or... jest oh, but I mind.
1: think they're like kind of similar um, not like similar but like they're they're uh they like emotional center is from a similar place I think a little bit but point, point of this being that um there's this concept in it of like
0: thoughts as viruses yeah yeah. I'm sure you've heard of this the first time I encountered that idea was in Richard Dawkins's book the selfish gene where he opens a chapter asking what is life if you're trying to find life in a different universe you know on a different planet we have to have some working definition if you go back to your biology textbooks they're mutually contradictory definitions we can't even figure out what's a virus is life or not blah blah and he came up with this idea of uh, a life a living thing is anything that makes copies of itself that are slightly mutated and these copies fight amongst and each it, other. So ideas are alive. Yeah, and so he was like ideas are alive, music are. is alive, yes. and so he came up with the idea of memes. He called it and they memes flow. Yes. and okay. memetics and that was the first time that he coined the term memes. So yeah. so I think
1: actually yeah. Snow Crash built on that idea of memes. Or yeah. well, I don't know the the time course uh yeah. of the situation, but either they I think they co-created around one another. Yeah. Um but it's true, I think about that a lot, where like, you know, you and I are gonna go home with like little little things swimming little around our minds. Viruses from each other. I don't like using the word virus actually My because virus? it feels like it feels like giving each other a plant. You know? <laughs> okay. Like I've given I've, I've like I've introduced some new um
0: some viruses new are life into very your sad ecosystem. Right now. Yeah, yeah, you know. Man, so uh, I, much is- want it to be
1: like by you but it's like you plant a seed and then it germinates and it grows and then it starts moving things in your mind like i really like this idea that the mind is something that is malleable and it, it takes shape and it takes time to move you can't just like and then we're good at moving it like we can change our minds very quickly but in the grand scheme of things how quick can we change ourselves and our habits and our instincts and i think these 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 memes and these like little plants that we give to one another uh, they grow and they take root and they hold and if the soil is fertile for them, they will they will grow into it and they will start changing it and adding new things, they'll draw in new nutrients, they'll interact with the plants that already exist. Sometimes they're invasive, sometimes they just totally take over and other times they're like really beneficial. They save the ecosystem where like it's, it's lacking some, yeah. you know, some, some nutrient yeah.
0: and it starts drawing it in and, and fixing it into the world
1: inside yeah. of you. And yeah.
0: Thanks for joining me and me today in the Room of Lives. In the next part of our conversation, she talks about her habit of walking into people's mind mansions, opening doors, looking at things, and rearranging them.